Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. February 9th of 2004, 21-year-old UMass student Maura Murray drove from her dorm in Amherst, Massachusetts to the White Mountains of New Hampshire. At approximately 7.27 p.m., Maura spun out her 1996 Saturn on a hairpin turn on Route 112 in North Haverhill. There has never been a credible sighting of Maura since. Maura is 5 foot 7 inches tall. She weighs 120 pounds, and she has brown hair and hazel eyes. If you have any information regarding Maura's disappearance, please submit it to us, the Murray family through their Facebook page, or the New Hampshire State Police Cold Case Unit. This is Missing Maura Murray. Welcome back to the Missing Maura Murray podcast. I am Tim here today with Lance in the Crawl Space Studios in Wormtown. Lance, how are you today? Doing really well, and I'm actually very excited about this slight deviation of Missing Maura Murray. Yeah, this is really an interesting episode that we are bringing you today. It's not so much Maura Murray related like, say, the last episode was where we had Maura's brother Kurt in. This one is sort of to be used as an example of what can be done to further cases, cold cases and Mora's case. It's cold case related. We're talking to the inventor of the MVAC. Actually, he's the son of the inventor, but he carries the torch now of the MVAC, the DNA recovery system that is absolutely remarkable. And we met him at ASOC back in April in Albany. Yep, the American Investigative Society of Cold Cases. He was there and he presented with his incredible presentation on the MVAC. If you want to check it out, it's m-vac.com and it really is a revolutionary DNA retrieval system. 
And we're talking about Jared Bradley here. And Jared Bradley's father is Dr. Bruce Bradley. He basically invented a wet vac system that created a small tornado of solution and pulls DNA out of surfaces and is a lot more thorough and a lot more comprehensive in the result as opposed to swabbing. And one of these should be in every state, in every department, in every lab in the country because the retrieval rate for DNA using the MVAC is head and shoulders above swabbing or anything, any other DNA retrieval method. So we wanted to bring you this to show you what can be done with you, private citizens, and someone like Jared Bradley, what he's doing right now. He's literally trying to change the world and save lives with the MVAC. And he says how much the MVAC costs. And when you think about it, you know, in a little isolation chamber, the number he says sounds high. But when you actually allocate resources and and you manage a budget in terms of maybe we should get this because the cost savings is going to be astronomical compared to the cost that you spend for the MVAC. And you can put these cold cases to rest and you can even use this to prevent future serials, future abuses, future sexual assaults. I mean, it really, like you said, is is a revolution. Lance, did you know that over a dozen homicides have taken place in the state of New Hampshire since the beginning of February? Since the beginning of February? That's crazy. We just want to use this as sort of one example of what can be done with more resources. And I know we hear all the time, we need resources, resources. Well, it's a legitimate problem. In the state of New Hampshire, they have a Senate bill named 130 that was introduced. It's a bipartisan bill, and it was introduced by Jeb Bradley, and it's got a lot of support out there. No relation to MVAC, Bradley. That's correct. I know. A couple of Bradleys. Easy to remember, though. (laughs) Now, the bill title is Establishing Positions in the Department of Justice and the Department of Safety to Work in the Cold Case Homicide Unit. Like you said, this is an example of how you can help. You can lobby your local Senate, you can lobby your local government, and you can introduce a bill like this as well. Yeah, if you're outside of the state of New Hampshire, that exists. So really, this is just a start at trying to help the problem. And as far as New Hampshire and Maura Murray's case, you know, I know we said that we don't talk too much about Maura in this episode, but... If Senate Bill 130 is passed, that could have direct connection on solving Morris' case because it is a bill that will add resources to the cold case unit and allow another detective to be hired. Or perhaps it would allow an MVAC to be purchased along with that detective. Either way, it is one of those things that you can do and by no means like do not do not stop doing the boots on the ground. Do not stop creating a presence and and being vocal about Maura's disappearance or any one of these cold cases, but you can also put your resources to this use here. Molly Bish's family did it in Massachusetts, and this bill, 130, is being introduced in New Hampshire, and no matter where you're listening, as long as you're within the United States, you can do this as well. So as a citizen detective sending tips, digging up info, we think that's great. Sending it to the right place, that's even better. But you can organize things like this. This is just organized by families of victims who are victims themselves approach their legislators and say, look, we need the resources to help solve these cases. Senate Bill 130 and the MVAC interview, they're really just examples of what can be done with the energy of a community like this one when it's directed in the right way. Okay, now before we get to the interview, just wanted to remind you that we have a show, a live show in Nashua, New Hampshire next Wednesday, May 
May 22nd at 6 p.m. It's called Missing Brianna Maitland. We are speaking on a panel with Bruce Maitland, Brianna's father, private investigators Greg Overacker and Lou Barry, and our friend Chloe Cantor from the new podcast True Crime Twins. And this is a really unique opportunity to ask Greg, Lou, and Bruce questions about Brianna's disappearance. You can also ask us questions and Bruce questions about Private Investigations for the Missing, which is the nonprofit organization that Bruce Maitland runs and we're on the board of. It is to provide resources for families of missing loved ones when law enforcement and other agencies have run out of resources. So someone like Greg Overacker can get his expenses taken care of if he's looking for someone's missing daughter. And all of the proceeds from this show go towards private investigations for the missing so you know when you purchase your ticket that is a donation to a nonprofit organization and ticket sales are going really well it's a very intimate engagement and we're just about sold out but you can go to crawlspace-media.com or brown paper tickets and you can click right from our website crawlspace-media.com and you'll see the little banner there just click that it'll redirect you and you can purchase your tickets 35 railroad square wednesday May 22nd, it's the Riverwalk Cafe at 6 p.m. Okay, and our entire Missing Mara Murray catalog is available on Stitcher Premium. Check it out at stitcherpremium.com. We're also doing really fun creator commentaries. And also, Lance, patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast is where you got to go to get another weekly show from us. We break down true crime news. We break down the episodes that we do here at Crawlspace Media. So it gives you a little added insight into these episodes. And it's really just a good time. So check it out at patreon.com slash crawlspacepodcast. And if you're on the fence about going to CrimeCon, CrimeCon is in New Orleans, beautiful New Orleans, June 7th, 8th, and 9th. And if you are on the fence, like I said, just cross over that fence. Do promo code CRAWLSPACE19. That gives you 10% off your standard pass. You'll go to CrimeCon. If you're a podcast fan in the true crime genre, there's Podcast Row. You can just come right up to any one of us and talk to us for as long as you want. But they also have a lot of really cool exhibitions and a lot of really cool seminars, safety courses. You can meet Christopher Darden, who was part of the O.J. Simpson prosecution. Be like, what the hell, man? What the hell? Why'd you put the why'd you put the gloves on? <laughs> but that's promo code CRAWLSPACE19. Do yourself a favor, save 10%. We'll see you there. Promo code CRAWLSPACE19. So thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoy this conversation with Jared Bradley of MVAC. Follow him on Twitter. Check out his site. Share it. Talk about it. MVAC is a revolutionary DNA retrieval product that will help save lives. And Google how to introduce a bill to your local Senate in order to get something like this going in your state, just like New Hampshire did with Senate Bill 130. Welcome to the show, Jared Bradley. How are you today, Jared? I'm doing awesome. Appreciate the chance to come on. Well, welcome to the uh, Crawl Space Studios here. Hope you're feeling comfortable in our uh, in our little confinement, our, our little corner of the world. Yeah, well, I'm just uh, hanging out here in my little corner of the world, so... It's amazing what technology can do for us, right? Exactly. Sure is. Speaking of technology... Uh, I was going to go speaking with Corner of the World. Where are you, uh, where are you broadcasting out of right now? I'm, uh, I'm actually in Utah. Uh, our office is in a little uh, suburb of Salt Lake called Sandy. I'm actually working out of my home office today, but 
yeah, that's uh, I'm usually up in in Sandy, okay. and um, yeah, right uh, right snuggled in the Rocky Mountains. So that's God's country out there. <laughs> um, yes, it is. <laughs> now we met you last month in April of 2019 at the American Investigative Society of Cold Cases conference, their 2019 conference, and uh, it we we saw your presentation, and we were just blown away by it. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it was, uh, um, it's, it's kind of the standard presentation that I give. Um, let me try to get rid of some of this light here. Um, I, I give this presentation quite a bit, you know, whenever I'm, I'm out, um, demonstrating, uh, the impact to, um, to different agencies, you know, around, uh, well, around the world, really, um, so yeah, it was it was a great opportunity. They they needed to fill a little bit of time, and so yeah, jumped up there and said, "Hey man, I'll take uh, I'll take the whole hour if you'll give it to me." You know, we got some cases that we talked about some of the cases that the MVAX worked and uh, how it works. So yeah, it was perfect. About two minutes into your presentation, I think Tim and I both kind of looked at each other and we were like, "This guy has to be on one of the shows soon because what you've done with the technology." is really remarkable with with DNA technology and DNA recovery. For anyone who doesn't know what the MVAC is, can you give us a a, a synopsis of where it started and what it is now? Oh, sure. Yeah. The best way to describe it that I've always found is uh, think of like a medical grade and a sterile carpet cleaner. You know, it's, uh, it's just like a carpet cleaner sprays a solution down and then vacuums it up at the same time. That's exactly the action behind the MVAC. And that's, uh, my dad actually invented it. And uh, he was a, a microbiologist and had a, a small service lab in southern Idaho um, <clears throat> back in 1993 when the E. coli outbreak, the jack-in-the-box E. coli outbreak, you guys may remember that, Yeah, you know, uh, killed a number of kids and made a whole bunch of people sick. And uh, growing up on a on a ranch, that really bothered him. And so he started analyzing the problem and realized that, uh, in the food industry, they, um, their ability to get deeper into the nooks and crannies where, uh, the bacteria might reside, uh, and able to cover a larger surface area was the primary problem. And so that's when he came up with the concept of, you know, instead of, uh, a little sponge or the swab, you know, rub, rub it across the surface he realized that, you know, getting more aggressive, having a, a wet vacuum concept would be um, more effective. And uh, <clears throat> so we, he came, you know, over a period of about 10 years, he developed the MVAC into what it currently is. And um, yeah, so we launched it initially in 2007 into the food industry. And um, we found that uh, they want to put out safe product, but they don't want to know everything. So, uh, getting, it it was too sensitive basically. So, so it was too good of a product that, uh, the food industry wanted, didn't want to go with it or basically. Yeah. In my 20 years of sales, I've never had a a customer tell me, you know, your, your product's just too good. So we're not going to use it. That's incredible. That's kind of, that's yeah. Well, the moral of that story, like like I said uh, at ASOC, uh, is you know cook your food. But um, so we we found ourselves in a dilemma. We were like, well, we we've got to find a win win situation here, 
And uh, we, we have this amazing product. We know it works, uh, but we've got to find a market where people really want to find just minute amount of, um, uh, of bacteria or, or in, our, in this case, it's DNA. So uh, about that same time frame, I ran into a college buddy of mine that uh, had gone into the FBI and I was describing the MBAC to him. And he was like, man, that would have been amazing on some of my crime scenes. So we, um, we took it down to the, a private lab that's here in Salt Lake and uh, had them test it for us. And they came back and they, they basically said, you know, we've never seen recoveries like this. And in fact, one of the, one of the people said, uh, you guys should be doing backflips off this table. This thing is so good. <laughs> so, you know, it, it took us a couple of years for that to fully sink in. But once it did uh, and we realized that the food industry, you know, unless the USDA, the FDA puts them in a full headlock, they're never going to use this system. And so, um, so yeah, we, we, we started talking to crime labs and some law enforcement agencies and, um, and what we really d- didn't have a, the, the full awareness of at the, after Sorensen forensics had tested the MBAC, they basically bought that system and they started calling all the agencies that they help w- that had cold cases and they were like, Hey, you know, we've got this new system. Uh, let's start working on some of these cold cases. And so, um, they started looking at, uh, well, I think the very first case that they ever used it on was a little girl. I think she was six, uh, had been raped and murdered and, uh, thrown into a, a Creek and they had tried the, the other, the traditional methods, what we call them, you know, swabbing and, and, uh, taping, even cutting, uh, if you're familiar with those collection methods, but yeah, they, they started working these, some of these other cases and, and getting great results. And so that's kind of, um, in addition to the data that they, they, uh, made, you know, created using testing the MBAC, they also started getting case successes. And so that's kind of how we, um, uh, accidentally fell into the forensics market. And now here we are, uh, what, uh, seven years later, we're, we're going strong. So had your father ever invented anything like this before? This was his like hands-on invention, correct? Oh yeah. Yeah. The idea just came to him. Um, one night he, he, uh, was laying on what he called his thinking couch, just trying to kind of go, you know, mull over some of his small business issues. And, um, but this had always been lingering in the back of his head. He's like, you know, how do I get a better sample? Hmm. Uh, and yeah, the idea just came to him. He's like, well, you know, if you want to get deep into a carpet, you know, to get a this stain, you know, your, your kid's dump some juice on your carpet, you know, you can sweep it up with a hand broom, which is the equivalent of the swab, or you can get nasty with it and you get in there with uh, the carpet cleaner and you, you know, get that whole stain up. And that's essentially the, the, the same concept. And so, yeah, it's, he invented it from uh, top to bottom. And, um, unfortunately he passed away in 2009. So he never really saw, uh, what we're doing in the forensics market with it, but, Um, I know it was always kind of in the back of his mind and, um, I know he's watching from, you know, up above and that's, um, but it's cool. It's, um, just, just being able to carry on his legacy is just something that, you know, absolutely drives me. I mean, it's a groundbreaking invention. Uh, it's a groundbreaking revelation in DNA collecting. 
it's really it's really remarkable because there's so many things that are being done with DNA testing after the DNA has been collected, but it's all about right. that initial collection period. That that yeah. is huge, and it's great to know that there's one of these in every police station across the entire country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish that was a true statement right there. Holy cow! Well, we got some pull. We got some pull. Just him saying that right now. You're gonna yeah, get a bunch. I'm surprised well, they're not calling you now. <laughs> well, I, yeah. I'm I'm being sarcastic, but what? I guess my question is, why isn't that true? I, you know, that is a really, really good question. It's um, we get some pushback from some of the labs. Um, <clears throat> you know, they don't want to be bothered with it. Uh, it. It kind of interrupts their processes. Is uh, as, as sad as that is to say. Um, but another part is just you know, there's so many especially in the U.S., you know, there's around 18,000 police agencies and uh, what, say, close to 800,000 um, police officers. You know, I don't know how many detectives, you know, or, or crime scene investigators would, would be in that, in that group, but uh, it's so fractured. There's no way to actually, you know, get the information out on a mass basis that every, all these law enforcement agencies are going to see. And so it's just taken us a long time to penetrate the market. And it's, um, in addition to that, you know, um, the forensics market is, is different than anything I've ever uh, been a part of, primarily just because, um, you know, if they have to be so careful, there's only if they only get one shot at it, they can't waste their um, they can't waste their opportunity on on equipment that's been untested. So the first couple of years that we were doing this, that was always the question. We're like, well, who else is using it? And we say, well, you know, I mean, there's one lab, uh, you know, that's that's and we have one data point and uh, that's not really a good answer. You know, they're saying, well, when you when you have more data, when you have other agencies that are using it, then, you know, hey, uh, give us a call back. But so it's just uh, taken us a while. But, yeah, um, there's uh, there's a lot of agencies. Um, it's it's just been a gradual increase of, of both the uh, attention that it's getting the uh, the number of people that are calling us or emailing us saying hey we need a we need a quote for this system and um, you know the procurement process is is well it's government so you know it's um, it's not like they can snap their fingers and say hey let's uh, let's make this thing happen right so okay well, what does that mean what do you mean um, it, it, the the procurement process and and because it's government well. It, it, you know, even even when um, we talk to these agencies and they look at the system, they're going, yeah, man, that thing's awesome. We, we want to get it. You know, they still have to budget the, the money okay. or they have to apply for a grant. And so the actual um, we're trying to we're trying to reduce this amount, but it's usually about a year and a half before agencies can actually pick it up, you know, if they're all the way on top of it. And so a lot of them just don't have the funding for it. Gotcha. I just wanted to avoid any confusion that people thought that this uh, product was owned by the government and it was a process to sort of contract it out from the government. It's actually what you're saying the other way around. You want to license it to government agent, government funded agencies. So getting that the procurement for the budget to do so is a little difficult. Oh, right. Yeah. Apologize if that uh, any confusion there. But no, no, no that's uh, just it's all it's all on my end. It's it's not, it's not on your end. No, it's it's just one of those where you know these guys. There, there's a, a lengthy process for any government purchases, and you know depending on the size of the agency, it, it seems that the, the bigger the agency, the more red tape you have to go through 
And, um, so I, I mean, it like, there's an agency in New York state. It took them four years to actually get the funding for it. So, uh, some agencies are, are pretty fast, but other it, it's, so it averages about a year, year and a half. And so it, that's a pretty long sales cycle for anybody that's done any kind of sales. Yeah. yeah. And, um, what is the cost if you don't mind me asking? No, not at all. It's, um, uh, the initial the the initial package it, uh, comes out to about forty four thousand dollars, and that gives them enough enough supplies to do about thirty items, the training, the you know the first year of maintenance, all that stuff. It, it's all combined in the first one. Uh, some agencies are opting out for a little more supplies, maybe have a, a, like a three year supply, um, and so that that's up in the sixty sixty five range. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, there, there's agents, uh, some agencies are telling us, man, for a, for a piece of DNA equipment and for what it'll do, we're, we're not charging enough, but our, our goal is to have it cheap enough that, um, even the smaller agencies can afford it, but, uh, you know, enough that we can stay in business. That's typically important. Yeah. And, and the goal is saving lives. And so I don't know that you can really attribute a, an appropriate cost now, uh, if we could, could we please get into some of the the data here that's extremely impressive? Um, the The Boston University data graph that was in your presentation is uh, particularly eye opening to us. There's colors on it, and <laughs> and and the MVAC color is much better Seems than to the be other bigger. ones. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a bigger graph. A bigger bar on the graph is, is typically a good thing. Yeah, it's um, uh, Boston University uh, took a little different approach than like the Sorensen did, uh, Sorensen Forensics that Crime Lab did. They, um, they were looking at different dilutions of blood, and they looked on three different surfaces, um, uh, ceramic tile and denim and carpet. And uh, of those three, uh, the ceramic tile wasn't there wasn't a huge difference between the MVAC, the taping, and the the swabbing, and but, but that's exactly what what any investigator would expect. You know, they uh, if that if it's a non-porous surface, meaning like a, a tabletop or something that's relatively it's hard, it's smooth. Um, there's not a lot of nooks and crannies for the DNA material. When I say DNA material, I mean uh, skin cells, blood, um, saliva, whatever, whatever bio stain they're looking for, there, there's really nowhere for it to go. And so if it's a relatively small area, then we typically recommend, you know, use the swab. Uh, that's, that'll, that'll do just fine. But, uh, if it's a, if it's a larger area, uh, meaning like bigger than like a one foot square area, um, the swab just basically spreads it around. So it's not, uh, it, it reaches a point where the swab is saturated. It doesn't, it doesn't actually collect anymore. Um, so larger areas, or if it's a, a porous surface, like on that, on that particular, uh, study, uh, denim, denim's the one that I usually show because that's, uh, uh, that's a, a surface that m most cases have some kind of clothing item mm -hmm. and denim is, is usually, uh, you know, everybody wears Levi's, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but then the carpet looked very similar to that. You know, the bar, the bar, gra you know, the separations of the bars was, was pretty dramatic. Um, and that's exactly what you would expect. Again, we go back to the, the handheld broom versus the carpet cleaner, you know, which one's going to clean the stain off of the, 
the carpet or your couch better, yeah. uh, obviously the carpet cleaner is going to win out on that pretty much every time. And so when you say swab, you essentially mean like a, like a Q-tip is in, yep. t- in twirling and trying to take a sample. So it's that versus like something that can vacuum up samples. Yeah, it uh, sounds like a pretty distinct, huge difference really on a, on a porous surface. You use, right. uh, do you use a certain chemical to pull the samples up and then it separates from the, you know, the, I guess the, the yeah, DNA? Great, great question. Yeah. Well, the, the solution that is sprayed down uh, is a, it's mostly sterile water. It's got a little bit of phosphate salt in it as a, uh, as a stabilizer, but it's more the mechanical action than it is a chemical action. So the mechanical action of the, of the water spraying and then the vacuum pressure that it's applied, it's, it creates like a little mini hurricane down there. And so it, that enables the, um, again, whatever you're looking for, the saliva or, or, or touch DNA uh, to be collected from the surface. So it, it doesn't, um, there's, there's no chemical reaction that's actually happening, uh, which is another reason why um, in the court process, it's, uh, it's accepted pretty readily just because it doesn't change the the chemical composure, or, or if you will, of the the actual DNA yet. Um, all it does is collect it. It moves it from the evidence to the collection bottle, and then eventually onto a filter, and that's what gets sent to the lab. And then the lab actually goes through that whole process um, the same way they do a swab. So it's um, all it does is collect. It doesn't actually do any kind of analysis. Okay, great. Okay, cool. Yeah, that was um, when you did your presentation at ASOC. I was trying to wrap my head around how the DNA is not sort of compromised during the whole process. Mm-hmm. And that's because yeah, you're using it, sterile it, material. D- D- DNA has a habit of um, breaking down mm-hmm. if it's exposed to elements, including liquid, if, if it's there for a long time. But so, you know, obviously when they use the MVAC on it, they can't leave it in the suspended in the liquid for, you know, a, a really long time. But, um, as long as it's, it's concentrated relatively quickly, then, uh, it's not going to cause those cells to burst open and, or it's, which is called lysing. Um, it's not going to cause those cells to burst open, uh, a whole lot. And so, yeah, all it does is basically transfer the DNA from the evidence to, uh, a, a medium that, the lab can then process. Okay. And, uh, how is the MVAC at collecting DNA from skin? It's actually pretty effective. That's, uh, uh, UC Davis did a a study that was all skin oriented. Um, they originally started with the thought of, um, more of a focus on, uh, how to get, uh, DNA off of a, a, like a child, you know, if, if a child was molested and um, touched in certain areas, you know, could they collect uh, that either saliva or DNA, you know, touch DNA from that child? Um, and then it kind of worked over into uh, what if what if there was a rape victim, for example, that had showered and which is really typical. You know, any any female that's gone through a rape, you know, the first thing they want to do is just they're just grossed out. They just want to get clean. And so, uh, that's a real problem. You know, it, they, they wash away a lot of the, a lot of the evidence that might actually, uh, help, uh, 
convict the, you know, the, the rapist. So, um, yeah, if there's any, uh, any women listening to this out there, you know, if you are sexually assaulted, go straight to the police, you know, and they can, they can collect DNA from your skin, from your clothing, from, uh, you know, areas, depending on whatever the scenario is. And, uh, that way you don't waste it. It's, um, it's, it's, a uh, really important, but anyway, they also wanted to see, could they get it even after showering? And that's, uh, that was their second phase of the, the validation that they did. And amazingly, especially around the neck area, they could still do it. Absolutely incredible. So they can still get a sample after a shower. Right. And, and, you know, not so much on the more exposed areas like, you know, the thigh or the abdomen, but around the neck area, especially with women with longer hair, um, it kind of uh, prevents the shower water from impeding into their around the neck area. And so if there's any kind of activity there, choking or, you know, whatever uh, happens, you know, during, especially during a sexual assault, it can get really weird. But even, even with just choking, they can, uh, they can still go and, and try to collect that DNA from, you know, the contact DNA from the, the suspect's hands. Do you want to know what it's like to hang out with MS-13 in El Salvador? How the Russian mafia fought battles all over Brooklyn in the 1990s. Or what about that time I got lost in the Burmese jungle hunting the world's biggest meth lab? Or why the Japanese Yakuza have all those crazy dragon tattoos? I'm Sean Williams. And I'm Danny Gold. And we're the host of the Underworld Podcast. We're journalists that have traveled all over, reporting on dangerous people and places. And every week, we'll be bringing you a new story about organized crime from all over the world. We know this stuff because we've been there. We've seen it. And we've got the near misses and embarrassing tales to go with it. We'll mix in reporting with our own experiences in the field, and we'll throw in some bad jokes while we're at it. The Underworld Podcast explores the criminal underworlds that affect all of our lives, whether we know it or not. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, what about on clothing? Uh, Clothing and, you know, poor surfaces like that, that's where the MVAC really starts to shine. It, uh, it, It can be, you know, in fact, the FBI just released their data and um, uh, we just put out a press release yesterday. I think I sent it to you guys. It, um, it, it was between five and 47 times better than a swab. Wow. So on, depending on the surface. Yeah, they, they tested it on, you know, everywhere from uh, uh, pressed wood to um, uh, all the way to sheetrock. Um, sheetrock, you know, untreated sheetrock didn't do very well uh, for either the swab or the MVAC. But you kind of expect that. I bet it just, I mean, it's like chalk. Sure. Right. Just absorb it. But um, the other surfaces, yeah, the MVAC did really well. Now, how minute can it get? Can you get it off of something that's like so so minute that you, you wouldn't even be able to swab? Uh, you're talking like the surface area yeah. that it's covering or, or yeah. the number of cells? The surface area. Well, the the surface area, if it's a really, really small surface area... Um, that's really not where the MVAC is going to be your best tool. Okay. Um, like if, if you have a blood spatter, for example, you know, someone gets shot and their blood is spraying all over the place. Um, especially if it's visible, if you can see it, uh, then the swabbing or other methods work just fine. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have like a one little blood spot on a shirt, that's right. There is where actually the cutting method would probably be better Mm -hmm. than using the MVAC. So, um, being able to cover a larger surface area, um, is, is where, you know, you'd switch to the MVAC. Um, 
yeah, but if it's a really small area, then uh, probably swabbing or cutting would be a better method. So the MVAC would work really well on, say, the, the back seat of a car in a, in a situation where someone, there might have been a struggle in, in the back seat of a car and, and that person was found uh, murdered. Right. Well, yeah. In fact, uh, there was a case in South Africa where they uh, actually, uh, a victim in a cult killing was transported in a car and uh, it was the suspect's car. And so they, they had to place her in the car to make sure that, uh, you know, it could tie yeah. her death to uh, the suspect. And yeah, they, so they, they did four different samples, um, one of each, you know, basically compartment area. Uh, and she, it, it, it showed that she was riding in the back seat behind the driver, uh, on the way to this party. So, um, so, well, they, they coined it as a party, but it was, it was a cult killing pretty weird. You can cover pretty large surface areas. You know, if a victim is, is, uh, transported in the trunk of a car, you know, you could sample the entire trunk if you needed to. Now, in that case where the the victim, eventual victim, was sitting behind the driver in the car, it wasn't mm-hmm. like, w- w- did the attack happen in the car or something? Like, uh, it wasn't like this, no. the DNA sample was blood, right? It, was, it wasn't saliva. It was, like it was cells. S- skin, skin cell, cells, right? Yeah. right? Right. Okay. Yeah, it's just, which is what we call touch DNA or trace DNA. Right. That's, um, uh, you know, you slough, every person sloughs off an average of 400,000 cells a day. And so you're leaving your DNA everywhere. And, um, which is why, you know, some people freak out when they, when they hear about, uh, systems like the MVAC and how sensitive DNA is becoming, you know, between the collection and and the lab processes, but understand it's just one, one cog in the wheel. You know, it's just one piece of evidence. And, you know, if your DNA shows up somewhere, Uh, That doesn't mean you're automatically going to go to jail for whatever crime happened. That just means that that's one of the things that um, if you can explain why your DNA got there, then, you know, you have no problems. But being able to find DNA, uh, how much DNA is in there, they can tell they can tell that as well. You know, it's uh, if it's just one of two or three people that they find in there, they can also determine, well, you know, your DNA represented, um, you know, I, I mean, it's it's not an exact science, but it's say it's an estimate of 20 percent of, of the DNA that's there and somebody else represents 70 uh, percent, then more than likely that 70 percenter is going to be a, more of a suspect than your 20 percent or your 5 percent or whatever. Uh, now, in contrast, if if you use the, the swab method for that victim in the back seat, would you have been able to get a sample or you just would have had to have guessed where skin cells were well it yeah it depends i mean it's uh for touch dna because you can't visibly see it there's no uh like alternative light source that's going to illuminate it right a lot of that is guesswork so you know that's that's where the actual crime scene analysis is so important say you know exactly what happened here and, and so if, if you're sitting in the back seat of a car then you got to think well uh, when you sit in the back seat of a car, what do you typically touch? You know, you're, you're going to touch the seat where you're, where you're, uh, getting in, you're going to touch the, the, door. the seat. You're going to, you got it right. The door, you got to place your hand somewhere. 
you know, those are the kind of things that they I, I went through and they said, well, you know, there's a good chance that uh, this is where she was. So let's get aggressive and let's, um, uh, you know, let's MVAC the majority of this seat area. And they had already tried swabbing it. So the swabbing hadn't uh, produced any any viable results. And uh, amazingly, most of the cases that the MVAC is used on, they've already tried a different method. They've already tried. It's usually swabbing. That's the most common collection method. But um, if it's if it's swabbing or, or uh, cutting or or even taping, they can do kind of a taping method. And then there's even a, a scraping method where they'll take a scalpel and scrape the top of a um, like a shirt or something uh, and, and collect that. Um, but if, if there's ample DNA there, then those methods all work great. Uh, like I said, a, a visible blood stain is a, is a really good example. Or, um, you know, if they can, if they can use like a alternative light source, you guys have seen those. Sure. Uh, like blue light, mm-hmm. basically, you know, they can shine it on there and, uh, different, different, uh, stains, if you were like a saliva stain is going to luminesce different than a, uh, a blood stain or a semen stain. So, um, but D- touch DNA, you can't see it. So it's all based on, you know, this scenario, you know, did I grab your right sleeve, you know, during, when, when we were scuffling, you know, that's that kind of thing. And that's, so they say, well, yeah, where on the sleeve. And that's really important too. When you're using some of those other methods, you have to know exactly where, yeah, uh, because they can only they can only uh, really adequately collect from a, a really small area. Whereas the MVAC, it, it allows you to cover instead of maybe like if you can see this, you know, instead of like this little spot here, you could cover the entire shoulder, you know. So so just something like that. It's it just gives uh, investigators a little more flexibility, uh, but at the same time they have to be careful because if there's um, you know if somebody was in a bar for example, and uh, a lot of people are brushing up against you and, you know, it's a really packed bar, you know, so there could be 20 people whose DNA is on, on that person's shoulder. You know, it's sometimes that's not going to, you know, collecting more isn't always better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Do you get any pushback from any of these organizations that you are um promoting the MVAC too and do they say well it's almost better to just get the the swab where I know that where you know the the as as limited amount of results as possible as opposed to a, a wider net well it's um I yes we do get pushback like that and and some people are thinking that um you know there's there's even the the philosophy that uh, if you lightly swab over the top of an area that you'll get the last person that touched there, which is just garbage. Um, DNA isn't deposited that way. Um, so yeah, you can collect just junk DNA. You know, if, if you're sampling the, the hotel carpet, for example, where a hundred people have walked over just that day, um, you're not going to get a good sample. You know, it's, it's really limited to, uh, e- even with what's called um, probabilistic genotyping software, which helps decipher mixtures, um, you're, you're still kind of limited to, say, four or five people within, this, within that sample. Mm-hmm. So um, a lot of times the, the swabbing method may be used. Um, 
it'll collect some DNA. They'll have little um, little peaks in there that they can identify, but there's a threshold that has to be met before they can actually say yes, this is a this is a viable sample. And so on those kind of scenarios, uh, we can go back over the same area with the MVAC, uh, sample it again, and uh, more often than not, uh, it'll come back with better results. So it's pretty amazing that the the ability for the MVAC to collect deeper into a surface, uh, even, even after like swabbing has, has been tried, um, there's still usually enough DNA there that they can get a good sample. Now, do you have a tagline for the MVAC yet? A tagline? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just sucks better than any, anything else. (laughs) Okay, so you have an unofficial tagline. That's great. I, <laughs> no. I have some that I wanted I to pitch to you. That's a good one or not. Uh, <laughs> well, I have a couple I wanted to pitch to you real quick. It's, a, it's an oh, elevator yeah. pitches. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sure. MVAC, bad news for bad guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. MVAC, criminals, you're screwed now. <laughs> okay. MVAC, criminals. We'll vacuum up your freedom. I like that better because <laughs> there's some suggestion of the, the sucking method. Okay. Yeah. 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 Your crimes suck. We suck harder. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry for that. No worries. Um, the, the f- no, that, that's, those are fun. We've, uh, I actually uh, uh, started making a T-shirt once that um, uh, actually said, like, criminals suck, but we suck more. Yeah, that's ah, great. That's great. Yeah, yeah there see, you go. That, yeah. That's why Perfect. you do this professionally. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, this is uh this is delving into the weeds here, isn't it? No. <laughs> so yeah, my uh, my wife wouldn't let me print those t shirts. I thought uh, it's an attention she, getter. Yeah. She said no. All right, well, <laughs> okay. we'll do it for you. Yeah. Okay, awesome. <laughs> um so there's uh there's this one slide here that I see that says MVAC uh, from the Philadelphia PD says MVAC is hundred and eighty times more effective than swab in saliva collection. Uh-huh. And uh, wow, is that a is that a specific surface or is that just in general? In that validation, I think it was a, a specific surface. I I want to say that that was a um, uh, almost like a towel, like a, a, a light towel. Okay. I don't know a sham, shamwow type of a surface, ah. I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was um, saliva off of there, and that was that was pretty impressive data. Yeah, I'd say so. And congrats on the FBI data that came out this week. Uh, I was just looking at that, and that is very impressive. You got some great quotes in there too. Um, people are very impressed by this product. Yeah, well, the, the agencies that are using it, and you know, there's some agencies now that have had it for uh, five, six years. Um, they, they're solving cases left and right with it, and and some some agencies are they're pretty selective on what types of cases they'll use it on, but their success rates up in the ninety percentiles. You know, meaning that a lot of these are coming back. Uh, so these are mo- mostly like swab failures uh, where they couldn't get a, a, a good enough profile to move the case forward. They're going back over it with the MVAC and getting 90 percent of the time getting a, uh, a better profile. That's that's a pretty uh, phenomenal rate. Now, that's that's not, um, you, you know, totally typical, but it's a um, I'd say on average, it's probably 50, 60 percent of the time. It's it's coming back with with pretty good results. And that's um, a lot of times, again, there's this threshold that they have to push it above. Mm -hmm. And if if you can collect more DNA, 
uh, more often than not, you're able to push the, the alleles, you know, the actual signature of, of the DNA profile above that threshold. And once that happens, that's when the lab can say, yes, this is, this is Jared or yes, this is Tim. Um, and, you know, be able to compare it. If it's below that threshold, then they just look at it and they say, well, yeah, you know, we, we see some things in there, but legally we can't uh, make any kind of a, a quantification or qualification on it. And so I, of all the investigators I talk to, that's just the, the ultimate frustration to them. Have you been in contact with any of the organizations that handle unidentified victims like NamUs or, or any of those types of organizations? And, and can you provide any services to them? Can you do something directly off of uh, skeletal remains or anything like that? Well, the skeletal remains, uh, typically not just because the, especially if they've been in there, you know, years instead of months, it's more, um, they can get into the bone marrow and, and collect okay. some of the, some of that bone marrow. It, you know, so that's not really a, something the MVAC would get used on, but, um, there is a case in California that's being uh, tried right now where the victims were buried in a, some shallow graves, um, in the Victorville area. You know, it's kind of desertous, uh, high desert type of uh, uh, atmosphere, I guess. But they, they were buried for three years, and the MVAC was able to collect uh, viable profiles off of that clothing that wasn't the victims, um, and it wasn't the suspect. So, you know, who, the, who these three uh, profiles are that they collected, you know, it would remains to be seen. But, um, yeah, DNA off of clothing has been buried three years. That was... That was a pretty amazing phone call that we had on that one. So how far back do you think that this could go as far as uh, duration of, of DNA lingering in a particular material? Well, if it's if the material is uh, protected, if it's been collected properly, you know, meaning that like the detectives didn't slobber all over it or whatever, uh, you know, even their the, the touch DNA from their hands. Uh, which is amazing because you, you start going back to cases that are like older than 20 years. Uh, so DNA didn't really come on the scene until around 97, 98, somewhere around there. Um, so anything older than that, um, if the fact that it was collected properly is just amazing. But if, if it's stored properly, so if it's collected properly and stored properly, meaning that it's in a dry, um, controlled atmosphere, you know, limited amounts of humidity, uh, it can last, I don't know, I, I can't say indefinitely, but it can last for years and years. It's the oldest case that we know of uh, is 52 years old. Oh, we got one better. We got we got one for you. Define right, better. Bring it on. Yeah, we got <laughs> over 100 years old. Okay. And the uh, the material was collected. I don't, I, I, don't, I doubt it had a, a very strict collection uh, method. But uh-huh. it has been stored in a in in sealed bags, sort of on display in this town's um, sort of civic center is what they call it. So it's this historic murder that happened, and there's a lot of uh, there's a, there's a lot of material like a uh, burlap bag that was put over his head. He was wrapped in a in a horse blanket, bloody socks. I mean his, his clothing, shoes, and there's. But we have the the victim's DNA and identity. But uh, I guess the question is, could could that pull up someone else's uh, from that long from, ago? Yeah, from part of a struggle because it was definitely a fight. 
Okay. So that that's what um, we got. So when when you're ready, we'll 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 <laughs> swing you up to Jaffrey, New Hampshire. Oh, right on. Well, let's go. <laughs> uh, okay. So, but what you're saying is that there's potential for that. It hasn't. Nothing's actually been collected yet. There has been no DNA collected on on this material. Okay. Well, what I what I was telling you with a 52 year old case is that's one where the the MBAC has actually produced a profile. Okay. So 52 years old. Yeah. So it's um uh, and that one had every single other traditional method had been tried and uh but once they once they used the MBAC on it they finally got a good profile so that one hasn't been adjudicated yet so i can't really give any details of it yet but um yeah when that one comes out it's going to be big great it's going to be really big okay yeah let us know when that when that happens when you're looking at something that's 52 years old and you get the right. the information and then you say we we're able to build a a profile off of that you 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 collect the DNA and then you send it to what lab? What what lab do you send it to? And then what do they compare it to in their database? Well, the um, uh, there's there's probably twenty twenty three labs in the U.S. now that that will process MVAC filters. Oh, okay. Um, which is really low considering there's what four hundred labs. So we got a lot of work to do. But essentially, once it's collected, then they have their DNA processing systems, and they, they process it basically the same way they do a swab. And then once that spits out a result, they can, if depending on how strong the, uh, the profile is, de- determines what database it can be loaded into. Now, if they have a suspect in mind and they're able to get a buckle swab from that suspect, then they can do a direct comparison. But if they don't, then they have to load it into a DNA database like CODIS. That's the, the national FBI database. Um, and like this 52-year-old case, for example, um, they had a suspect, but the, when they compared it, it wasn't the guy they thought it was. So they were able to you know, totally you know, go a different direction on that. But now they don't have a suspect. They're like, and, and he wasn't in the, the CODIS database. Hmm. So... So now they're they're trying to figure out well what do we do you know got to go back and do more police work, uh, but that's also where that genealogical uh, DNA, uh, the, you know the way they caught the Golden State Killer. Sure. They're they're starting to move toward that direction to to try to get um, get some kind of a, a semblance of well maybe he's not in there but maybe one of his relatives are so we can find something close. Yeah, and sort of triangulate uh, from there. That's great. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's really amazing. I mean, all the advances in these investigative techniques, you know, you got like Parabon, they can uh, take the take the DNA profile and basically uh, show what what the guy looks like. I mean, you actually get a facial structures and, you know, find out is, you know, the gender, find out the the race, all that kind of stuff. That's just amazing. It's impressive. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it all begins with collection. It sure does. And um Am I mistaken here in uh, in this case number seven from your presentation? It says that a six year old child's body was submerged for eight to ten in water for eight to ten hours, and mm-hmm. uh, and then w- was the MVAC able to get a sample after that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I'm, I'm I can't remember the exact uh, like how many alleles were present, but it, it's um, yeah. I, I know they got at least a partial profile off of her panties incredible yeah that was 
And in fact, that, I think that was the very first case that the MBAC was ever used on. Wow. And, and that's just no way something swab would ever be able to get, right? Well, they, they, had, right? they had already tried the swab. Yeah. And they'd already tried the cutting method, too. So, wow. Um, yeah, it's uh, something like that where most of the DNA had been washed away. Mm-hmm. And, it, and if it hadn't been washed away, being exposed to water for that long, a lot of those cells are going to be lysed. And so they're going to lose DNA that way. So, yeah, there was very, very little, um, you know, just minute amounts of DNA there. But, uh, you know, if it's there, the MVAC will get it. Love it. Now, is this a product that you're exclusively hoping law enforcement picks up on? Or will, would you be able to contract out to a private citizen who has a connection to a lab and they could do the back end work where they match it up? Have you ever had anyone request that from you? We've had, um, especially victims' families, yeah. call us. Yeah. A victim's family has a fair amount of pull with uh, with the agencies, but um, sometimes you know they can they can kind of help gather information and and present it to the the law enforcement agency that's responsible for the case. Um, I, I haven't ever heard of one where you know the case was closed and and they were able to reopen it, you know, based on MVAC testing, but. Um, the problem is the chain of custody. You know, once once that evidence, you know, a shirt or something that the victim wore, once that's released and uh, it's no longer in the in the chain of custody, there's, you know, who knows what it, what it happened to it, really. And um, so you kind of lose any kind of value as far as, uh, you know, being able to actually convict somebody in a, in a court of law. Right. But um, if they just wanted to find out what happened. I guess they could spend the money and go to a private lab that had the MVAC and, and go that direction. But, you know, to what end? That's, that's the question. Right. And, and, and then what, do you, what will you do with the results? Because if you take the results to law enforcement, that still doesn't guarantee law enforcement has probable cause to then, you know, lock the perp up. You could actually ruin a case if you try to do it on your own. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not a good idea. I mean, it's um, th- there have been um, cases where uh, the the victim's family learned about the MVAC, took the information um, that, you know, I, I'll, I'll send anybody our flyer or, you know, they can download information off of our website and things like that. Um, so if they took that information to uh, the police agency or sheriff's office that has responsibility for their case and said, hey, what do you think about this? Um, I, I've known scenarios like that where the police go, oh, well, yeah, I didn't know about that thing. Let's let's give it a try. And they've gotten results that way. Yeah, okay, so, that's cool. Yeah. No, it's um, victims' families, I'll tell you what. Um, well, as you can imagine, if, if someone you loved was murdered or raped or something and the police just didn't have any leads, that doesn't lessen the pain for for the, the victim's families. Right. So it, it's, they, e- even if the, the police have to move on to other, other, um, cases because, you know, the caseload doesn't ever stop, you know, and it's, I, I, I've never heard of them just completely forgetting about a case, but you know, until they, until new leads are developed, you know, they, they have to focus on the ones they can solve. And, but it doesn't mean the families are going to ever stop. And so if, if something comes up, 
you know, they learn about new technology, which is the case with the MVAC all the time. Yeah, boy, they'll uh, uh, they'll hound the police until they, they actually use it. Okay, so in that scenario where the victim's families will take the information to law enforcement and say this MVAC thing exists, can you use it, and they agree to mm-hmm. use it, do you send them one of the devices or do you send somebody out there? Do you fly out to, say, New Hampshire to go help on this cold case and you're doing the actual collection or do you instruct somebody on how to do it? Well, typically, um, I, I have flown out to some places and, you know, taken the equipment and everything. Um, but it's typically better to just send the evidence to a lab uh, like one of the, there's like four private labs that have an MVAC. Um, and so it's typically, they'll, they'll just coordinate with another agency that has an MVAC or a private lab that has one. Or, or sometimes there's a public lab that maybe the, like two sheriff's departments have a, a memorandum of understanding where, you know, they'll help each other. Um, but it is rather than us actually flying out and, and, um, you know, helping them do it. Um, it's, it's typically better just to take it to a crime lab. Now, you know, here in Utah, I've done that. Um, like before Salt Lake PD, uh, bought a system. We, uh, we took a system up there. They had a, um, a case where it was like a, uh, a gang violence type of a case. It was, a uh, almost like a hit from one gang on another gang member. And, um, so we, we took a system up there. I mean, they're local, so, you know, had to drive all the 20 minutes. And, uh, but we took the system up there. They bought the, the supplies. And, and yeah, we, we stood there. We taught them how to do it. And then we stood there and helped them uh, just kind of, you know. Uh, I, I typically don't put, insert myself into the chain of custody. But I'll, I'll teach the people and just show them how to do it right there. And, uh you know, with just a little bit of coaching, it's it's they can typically do it right. You know, by themselves. Well, off off the air, offline, we'll give you our mailing address and just feel free to ship one over to uh, the Crawl Space Studios. And we won't tell anyone, and we won't tell anyone. We'll just start performing our own DNA tests <laughs> on all these various cases that we work on, and it'll uh, it'll be revolutionary. <laughs> so, oh yeah, yeah, I'm <laughs> sure the. Uh, Prosecuting attorneys are going to be thrilled to hear this. They oh, would they, love it. They, yeah. They've given us so many keys to cities. <laughs> yeah. They don't even, this would just be like a cherry on top. We have like a janitor's key ring of keys to the city. Wow, who knew? <laughs> uh, so fi- so 50 plus percent of evidence resampled with MVAC came back with at least a partial profile. And these are the surfaces that the MVAC has had success on. Curtains, bed sheets, ligatures, ropes, ski mask, wigs, shell casing, keys, gun parts, socks, clothes, pockets, rifles, animals, animal hides, and the the one that stands out to me is sledgehammer. Okay. So that that was uh, I guess uh, trace evidence found on uh, like skin cells found on a on a sledgehammer. I take it. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, y- you know if there's any kind of blood or something on a sledgehammer. You know, again, because that's a non-porous surface, uh, typically the um, swabbing would do just fine. But yeah, right. if 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 somebody's gripped that sledgehammer and the handle, then, yeah, done the damage, then um, getting the DNA off of that entire, sl- you know, the handle uh, is pretty important. 
So I even heard, so this is a, another case that I uh, just heard of recently where um, down in the, in the south where they have a lot of canals and things, uh, there was a guy that, that uh, I, I believe it was his girlfriend, you know, beat her to death with a baseball bat. And then as he was driving away through the baseball bat in this canal, and it was deep enough that a dive team had to go down and get it. And it was, it was down there for, you know, at, at least a number of hours. And so they, um, they took the MVAC out there and right there on the shore, they, you know, they laid out some, um, sterile plastic. The dive team brought the, uh, brought the baseball bat up out of the canal and they sampled it with the MVAC right there and they got it. They got the guy's profile. So, yeah. Amazing. Was this a aluminum baseball bat or a wooden baseball bat? It was, I believe it was aluminum because it had the, um, uh, you know, around the grip. Like a rubber grip? Yeah. And they got, they, they, they retrieved the DNA off of the rubber grip of the baseball bat after it had been submerged. Yes. That's, that's pretty cool. What I think is a fun dynamic is when Tim read off all of those, all of the materials, all the surfaces that the MBAC has collected DNA from, and your Uh reaction to that was just, yep. And and while our reaction to it is like holy shit, like this is insane. <laughs> you're like, yeah, this is my business. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of them seem a little more obvious than others based on you know yeah. the, this conversation already. But um, but th- this picks up where where swabbing leaves off. I mean, this is this isn't to replace swabbing. This is to be used in addition yeah. for to it, and it can literally save lives. And you've said you've said numerous times in this scenario, just use swabbing. Or use use sure. a, a cutting method. Yeah, and, don't, right. don't waste a don't waste yeah. an back on that. A couple of things that were impressive about this shell casing and keys. I think that's that's pretty impressive. Keys are pretty small, and shell casings are pretty yeah. small unless it's like a cannon. But you know, like they're they're pretty small, and that's that's impressive to me. Well, yeah, that's uh, there's a uh, a senior CSI here in the Salt Lake Valley named Francine Bardol, and uh, it, she's kind of become the uh, got the title of the MBAC queen. She's, she was one of the very first agencies that, that bought a system and, uh, she's been doing amazing things with it. Well, she, um, she got her master's in serology and, uh, was working in the crime lab for a couple of days a week and found herself with a pair of tweezers trying to swab a, um, uh, some fingernail clippings and, she just thought, oh, this is just ridiculous. You know, there's got to be a better way to do this. And, um, and so she, she came up with the idea of, of just submerging the, the fingernail clippings in an MVAC bottle, which is a, about a 250 milliliter bottle. Um, so about half the size of a Coke can maybe. Okay. And uh, you fill it up with about half full with liquid. And then she dumped all the fingernail clippings in that. And then vortex it or, you know, agitated it really well for a couple of minutes and then poured it over the MVAC filter and uh, got a great profile. And so she thought, well, if I could do that with fingernail clippings, why not try it with, with shell casings? Yep. And so she had a, uh, she had a case where they had all they had was, was the victim's body and then 10 shell casings. And so she tried it, tried that same submersion method, um, with these shell casings and she got a profile and, uh, she's also been able to do the same thing with, like you said, keys with jewelry, with, uh, parts of, of a weapon. 
So like if you break a, a nine millimeter pistol down to, you know, you got the magazine, you got the, the grip, you got the trigger housing, you got the slide, and she's been able to find profiles off of all of those. And so on, on this one particular case uh, where she tested, again, the magazine and the trigger housing and the slide, she got the same guy off each one of them. And so based on that, she knew you loaded the, the magazine, you cocked the, the gun and chambered around, and then you pulled the trigger. And so that's, uh, that's pretty incriminating evidence. I'd say so. But, that's yeah, that's it, incredible. Yeah, Forensics Magazine actually uh, highlighted that Bardol method, and uh, other agencies have been able to duplicate it too. So it's Excellent. it's pretty phenomenal. So she's actually got a method named after her. Yeah, that's great. yeah. We uh, we coined that and then uh, helped spread it around. And yeah, we're trying to make uh, Francine just uh, you know the most famous woman in the world as far as the MBAX. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, forward her contact over to us, and we can have her on as a follow up. That'd be fun. Oh yeah, no, she. I, I, well, I imagine she'd love it. She's uh, she's involved with cold case societies, and oh great, uh, she would be a really interesting guest. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining us, and bravo, uh, and on, congratulations. On, yeah, I mean, this is an incredible product, an incredible uh, device that that is used to literally save lives, and. Uh, I'm honored uh, to talk to you about it. Yeah, really humbled. And you know why it's such a great invention is because it's it's such an obvious invention. It's such a it if you're if you're looking at at how to collect DNA and and you're like there's got to be a better way. Like this is there is there is this is the obvious. It's such a great idea because it's obviously a great idea. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.